The Hurling Podcast is brought to you by the Enniscorthy Credit Union, where you can join and apply for a loan on the same day. With great interest rates and special rates for car loans, green car loans and education loans. Check out their website at enniscorthycu.ie. The Enniscorthy Credit Union. Local, loyal and lending. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Enniscorthy Credit Union Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Catch, touch and bang. Dara is a fantastic coach and um, some really, really exciting uh, young players coming through. Um, so there's an awful lot to be uh, excited about in Maxwell's moment. I listen to dancing at the crossroads there about three or four times a week in the car on the way down just to get myself. <laughs> <laughs> Tony is like the party, uh, as we well know. Then we had Billy Byrne, who was going to come in to be the game chair. And we had to put a high ball in from the middle of the field. And Billy Byrne's job was to catch, touch and bang. Catch, touch and bang. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air and then hit it. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through take and take. Come on, Wexford! Hello and welcome to the Hurling Podcast. I'm Gary Dorn and I'm joined, as always, by Ben Burney. How are you doing, Ben? Hi, Gary. How are things? All good. So, Brian Cody hung up his Glambia hat. Will you miss him? Well, not personally, but um, yes, he was the greatest, the greatest of all time, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. I don't think there can be any dispute. Like what he's done will not be replicated. No, not not even close. Well, actually, Limerick are not doing too bad, <laughs> <laughs> but longevity-wise, it, it won't be done. No. So there's been there's been a lot of managerial changes and some interesting appointments have been made and to be made. I think Colin Bonner probably being quite harshly treated. Yes, we had Colin on the podcast a couple of years, one of our first episodes and very nice man. Uh, former manager of Wexford. He, things probably didn't go from as well in Wexford as he would have liked. Obviously didn't go as well from in tip as he would have liked. But I definitely think he was harshly treated now and a bit unfair the way it was done. Yeah, definitely unfair the way it was done, the the wording of the statement. Um, but just in, in general, like given three years, like the Tipperary County Board must have been able to understand the amount of players he lost from last year's panel that he had to deal with and that it was always going to be a transition, bringing in new people. Um, and then, yeah, it was kind of, it was... Liam Cal coming in very short afterwards. Oh, sure. Colm hadn't even closed the door and Liam Cal <laughs> was in there already. Now, Liam did claim that uh, that he had no conversation before Colm Bonner was gone, but I don't know. I find that a bit a bit fishy. I, I'd imagine there must have been maybe not any official conversations, but there might have been a, a few words over a coffee or something. We don't know. All I can say is it looked pretty bad and it was quite unfair on Colin, I thought. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, Michael Fedley gone from Offaly too, just uh, just today. Um, he was actually on off the ball with Eddie Brennan, with Joe Malloy, um, just before he was fin- finished up with Offaly, and Joe Malloy was quizzing them both on will they be handing in their CVs for the for the Kilkenny job, um, or what's his situation with Offaly? And he kind of seemed like Offaly had done his three years, and Offaly might be looking for a change, so. Maybe he, he knew what was coming there, but there's the Dublin job 
the Waterford job, Kilkenny job, Offaly job, all up for grabs at the moment. It's interesting times. Who would you see likely for any of them? It's hard to know, but I did see when I when I looked at a a Facebook post of Michael Fennell leaving, a good few people were commenting that he's going to be the next Warford manager. So maybe there's a proper link there. I'm not sure. What what did Eddie say when he quizzed on it? Eddie said he doesn't he doesn't think about these things. He gave the same answer as he did the last two times I've heard him asked about this kind of question. He said he doesn't think about things un, until they're happening. And uh, he 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 doesn't sound doesn't sound like he's been approached yet. Anyway, I sent Eddie a text now, uh, <clears throat> quite shortly after. Usually, I get a response now if there was something concrete. If there was a yes or no, but I got no response. Yeah. So he's definitely in for it. Yeah, he's definitely in for it. <laughs> he's, <laughs> I'd say he's up against Derek Ling. Who else would you think? Uh yeah, I suppose Derek Ling is a big one. Eddie, obviously. I also think now he hasn't been spoken about, but I wouldn't be surprised if James McGarry is in for it. Yeah, he's been he's been in the setup mm. for a long time. Possibly DJ. Any any hope of Henry? I believe Galway no. I've only read it, I believe Galway are fairly confident of keeping him for more than one year. And I, I reckon he'd stay in Galway though. I reckon he can't leave after one year, can he? I, I don't think he would. I think, uh, I think he might regret taking the Galway job in the first place. But maybe, maybe so. But I think you have to think that there's not going to be a manager there again for twenty years. You have to imagine that the Kilkenny job now will be like most other counties where the manager is there for two to three years and then moves on. Yeah, and there could always be that uh, David Moyes effect might be in for long at all. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have the David Moyes effect here. What about the other jobs? Dublin, we've mentioned Fenley could be in for Waterford. Do you see David Fitz getting in somewhere there? He could. Well, I've heard a lot of people saying he's does it. He's doing an interview for the job every time he's on the Sunday game. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. I actually think he could he could do a really good job at Offaly, whether whether he wants it or not, or whether Michael Dignan would uh, accept a sweeper system. I don't. Himself and Dignan have had a few run-ins in the past, so I don't think that's going to be happening. And club championship, Ferns into a quarter-final. You happy enough there? Confident of the. Uh, Rest of the year? Oh yeah, I'd be very confident that Fern's uh, going to win the whole thing. Nice, I'm, uh, I'm delighted to see Askmore topping their group as well and into a, a quarter-final this weekend. So best luck to them in their quarter-final match and for the rest of the championship. And now on to this week's episode. We chatted to Wexford GAA chairman Michal Martin about the recently released Wexford Hurling Strategic Plan and delve into what structures are in place from underage to senior in the county that will give Wexford the best chance for success in the future. Here we are with Michal. Okay, Michal, we have a new strategic plan for hurling in the county. And the aim is that, no, it's the aim every year now, but the aim is that we win an All-Ireland hurling senior hurling title in 2027. Can you... Tell us, give us a quick overview of the plan and how we're going to achieve this. 
I suppose, yeah, as you say, it's the aim every year. It's uh, and the aim within the plan is to. I think the, the the key aim to use maybe Billy Walsh's language or the terminology is to be consistently competitive, to be putting yourself in a place that you are always in a position to be winning All Ireland. I suppose the key aim is to win it before twenty twenty seven. In terms of say a realistic goal, um, but you'd like to be in a position to be doing that every year, um, and. You know, within that, you have to get the breaks and whatever else. And I suppose we, when we review this year, you look at some of those aspects as well. But um, I suppose within the plan, then there are there there are a number of aspects. We've we feel like we've probably built the base over the last number of years. We've increased our coaching staff, say from four, I think in 2017, 2017 to fourteen now, trying to make clubs stronger, coaching structure stronger. Um, and now the development of this particular plan is very much zoning in on the development from 18 on so when players come out of minor uh, and putting all the pieces of the jigsaw together to ensure that that you're in a, a really strong place we developed last year I suppose we piloted we developed the next generation program and there's various aspects of that that are say non-hurling even you're doing leadership programs you're doing SNC programs uh, and now, I suppose the key elements of this plan is the employment of specific people to oversee the various elements of it. Um, a coach and player development manager or kind of director of hurling, if you want to use that term, uh, and a couple of SNC appointments as well uh, that specifically target uh, the development of young, uh, development now of a, a big number of, of, co- uh, of, of young players and across our post primary schools as well. So, there, there's just a number of pieces of jigsaw that you need to be fitting together uh, to ensure that you've, your structure is as good as it can possibly be. The next generation program that you refer to, is that the, the player pathway? No, the player pathway we launched last year in terms of uh, the Wexford way, which was really the, the coaching staff have been working on that. And it's the first time we, had our own specific Wexford uh, player pathway. Um, and that's been on the back of that, then a number of clubs have launched their player pathway and have, uh, have delved into that. The Next Generation program is more taking, as I say, the cohort or so our development squads, and we're, con- we're consistently competitive now. Uh, and I suppose we've designated, rightly or wrongly, we've designated under 17 as a development grade. So we're not getting overly hung up. Would you like to, you want to be competitive? Would you like to be winning those grades? Absolutely. Uh, but it's not the be all and end all. And, you know, we want to be bringing 17 year olds true uh, and having a cohort of really talented 18 year olds, 19 year olds, and so on and up to under 20. So the next generation program then is basically putting a structure around those, those guys um, to work. There's a leadership program aspect to it. Uh, so working on the, I suppose, the mental side, uh, the performance mindset side, um, and also working on all the various aspects of so teaching them about nutrition, uh, ensuring that the SNC or the athletic development is, uh, is in place and that these guys are doing, doing the right thing to make them faster and stronger, and obviously then trying to develop their hurling as well. So the next gen program, and there's, there are various people who have, who feed into that. We have 
kind of sports psychologists. We have people who are developing leadership programs and we have Declan Brown who oversees the athletic development. So there's, there's various aspects to it and you're essentially trying to ensure that when a guy gets a senior um, or is in a position to play a senior that uh, they're ready for it. From what age are, are talented young hurlers being given this, this kind of coaching and information? Within the next generation program, it's really from under 18. It's really uh, after they come out of minor, but I mean, development squads now, in fact, tomorrow our development squads, I think our hurling development squads are, are on a full day camp tomorrow. Um, so they're in, yeah, they're in um, doing a full day on nutrition, SNC, speed work, um, and hurling. So really our development squad structure, I think is the same as any county now, our development squad structure is, is starting these pieces. It's just taken it to another level after 18 because some guys after they play minor, some guys will, will walk away and that's fine. Some guys will take a couple of years and then come back uh, and other guys want to lap up this information and are ready for it. And that's the start of the process really of you know, getting serious about playing at an elite level. So the minor who is a talented minor, but he's not quite there for ready to be part of an under 20 squad. He's not quite there. An under 20 who's finished under 20, who's not quite ready to be part of a senior panel. He's been still, still been brought in as part of a Wexford setup. Yeah. 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 That was the first year we did that this year. Yeah. Um, and it worked quite well. I mean, listen, this was the first year. It worked very well. But I suppose we can. You're always seen as you're going through it. Listen, we can do things a little bit better next year. And there is there's a lot of liaison with schools and uh, and what have you, uh, because they're obviously playing with their schools as well. But yeah, we have a, we have a specific structure now for the 18 year old who is not uh, is not part of the part of the say the 20s panel. So we would have had and they would have been working in parallel with Keith Rossiter's 20s panel this year. And actually, a couple of them ended up on the 20s panel on the extended 20s panel. Uh, I think Keen Doyle actually made the bench, but you had players like Luke Murphy and a few more uh, who would have been um, training with an under-18s group, but would effectively be kind of dipping in and out of the under-20s and getting exposure to under-20s as well. Yeah, so that that's working well, and that's necessary because you can't give a guy, or, you know, a guy can't afford to take a year out of, an, say, I wouldn't say an elite setup, but whatever what setup of, of high level coaching uh, and certain condition and all the other various aspects. So, is, is there something similar for the, the under 20 then that's finished under 20 but not ready for the senior setup? There is now. Yeah, there is now. Um, the under, and, and we're probably only ready for this now because we have a cohort of talented 20 year olds. I'm not sure we've had that over the last three or four years. I'd say anyone that was probably good enough has been was 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 maybe brought into the senior setup but already uh we would have met um in probably the week before the Kerry game i think it was saturday before the Kerry game dara um myself and a few few others would have met with um and keith would have been there would have met with the 20 year olds who are overage for under 20 next year uh and they're on a program uh, in fact, they're working. They're working even through the club. They're they're continuing their their strength and conditioning program, uh, and they've been given their markers of what would be expected of them to be in a position to say 
make a national league panel or a development panel uh, come December, and they're 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 getting regular check and they're they 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 will be meeting collectively, uh, weekly or fortnightly depending on their their training load with their club. Uh, they will be meeting in the center of excellence to uh, to assess their progress. So any guy that wants it, any guy that 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 will meet their markers will be given their opportunity. And there's listen, there's good talented people. I don't need to name them, but. There's, there's good commitment there at the moment. Yeah, those guys, those guys are all buying into it, and they all seem hungry for it. So those guys are, uh, they, there'll be no one cast aside. We have a hurling advisory committee. Can you tell us what's that? Who's that made up of? Yeah, well, we're actually re-establishing the hurling advisory committee. So Liam Griffin um, would have would have been involved in the hurling advisory committee over a long number of years, where hurling three six five would have been developed. And I suppose this is this is the next building block. Hurling three six five was the start of it. When I got involved in 2017, when Derek was chair, Derek Kent was chairman. I would have been vice chairman. I would have been looking over after the coaching element of it. We would have say we would have taken Willie Cleary at that time to and and taken him out of um, taken him out of his teaching position, and he would have been overseeing Harland 365 in particular development squads, and the Harland Advisory Committee were overseeing that. So now, as part of this new structure, uh, we're developing a new Harland Advisory Committee. Lean will be centrally involved and there'll be a number of others as well because this plan is effectively the, the plan we, we we launched at the county board meeting is effectively a million euro spend over five years a minimum of a, a million euro spend over five years specifically on this plan so there will be a level of oversight uh with Liam involved adrian fennel will be involved and be a number of others that we that we're finalizing at the moment uh including say representation of people who are investing investing their money into this plan um so like corporate corporate governance when you're investing a million a million euro over five years or two hundred thousand a year the corporate governance element of this is obviously is very strong but we have people like lean you know talk to lean regularly obviously hugely passionate about it and knowledgeable um and i suppose we're building a network of people who are interested in a overseeing the i suppose potential for success and second of all create a network of people because you know i think everyone knows now there's a huge investment required to be successful so we do have to build a network of people who may be interested in investing into that as well we don't have necessarily have uh as some other counties do i suppose uh say one particular benefactor but we, we do have a number of people who are passionate about Wexford hurling and want to help want to see it succeed and have I think bought well bought into this plan pretty strongly as well in terms of they see there's a vision there there's a good structure there um, and want to be part of achieving success so um, the oversight committee will will probably manage the month the month oversight of it is it tricky ground with investors being part of the hurling advisory committee in say if they're putting in a certain amount of money and they think that a certain decision should go their way or they could threaten to withdraw the money if it doesn't go their way? Their way. No, I, no, I don't think so. I mean, because there's a plan. I mean, the key element is that there's a step-by-step plan of... Um, there's a step-by-step plan of, uh, of what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, uh, and where we're going to go. Uh, and that's you know in terms of meeting with potential investors this this is uh this is i suppose a process of meeting with people 
um, and explaining the vision, explaining how we're going to get there. And people will invest in uh, on that basis. Um, and, you know, and then we, it has been agreed the county board will, there'll be, there'll be a match funding process uh, for that. Um, and that's probably the first time ever. So it, it, there's a very transparent process here of uh, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Um, and for the most part, the investment is in, um, is actually in personnel, in, a, in, in, in people to drive this plan forward. Um, and I suppose we're, we're, we're recruiting on that basis at the moment. Obviously, the key person, the key personnel you speak of, main person will be the director of hurling, I assume. Where, where are we with that appointment or what way is it going? Applications, the, the application, the, uh, the window for applications closed last week. So it'll probably be I, there's a couple of meetings tomorrow, actually, but there'll be, there'll be interviews in the month of July with the start date of the 1st of September for that position. Coach and player development manager is probably the title we have on at the moment because, uh, you know, director of Harlem is probably well, well known, but to a degree it's the same thing, but this person, their key role is to develop players and develop coaches uh, and that's one thing that we're we're massively keen on. We need to develop a cohort and a group of what, however many number, maybe a small number, maybe somewhere between four to eight or ten. Uh, and they're they're starting to grow now. You look at our senior club teams, and there a lot of them are are being managed by by their own club people or native Wexford people. Um, that wasn't always the case. Um, so we need to develop potential future Wexford managers and potential future Wexford coaches. Uh, and that will be one part of this role as well and exposing them to whatever they need to be exposed to, whether it's uh, Leinster rugby or um, bringing in various people, which we've done already. We've, we, we like during lockdown, we've, and, and when this plan was being developed, we had Joe Schmidt, we had Jim Gavin, we've had various people come in and try and give an insight. So, you're exposing people like that uh, to to uh, to the highest particular level, so that potentially, whether it's five years or it'll probably won't be me who'll be pointing the next put, uh, extra manager, but you're hoping that that person is ready to uh, to 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 lead Wexford on at every age grade, twenties, seniors, uh, and so on. And in terms of uh, the applications have closed, but. Did you, did you guys approach anyone yourselves? Was there any headhunting done or was it purely an open application? Leave it out there, see who comes in? Uh, I think a bit of both. We, we put it out there as, as widely as we can and we would certainly have, uh, I think we say within the plan, you know, we're, we're committed to uh, if, if people maybe hadn't put their name in that you would be, you'd be encouraging people to come for these positions. And there's another piece as well, like we have, we're probably on the record that there, there are extra people who, who work in other sports that we would love to see come work for Wexford GA. Uh, they may not be available at the moment, but um, possibly into the future. I think we're on record of saying that as well, that we um, will take anyone who has an expertise in sport uh, that's interested in improving Wexford GA. You'd love to see them getting involved. So yeah, there's within this plan, there's an element of headhunting. There's an element of uh advertising and seeing what's coming in and then i suppose we look at everything in the mix now in uh, in the month of july 
What are we expecting? So first of September is the start date that you expect for this person. Yeah. Yeah. And would we be expecting a Wexford person or for someone outside, do you think? Uh, I wouldn't like to, probably wouldn't like to narrow it down. Um, all, all I'd be expecting is the best person, best person for the job. Um, that's doesn't matter where they're from. It can, can be from, from any county within reason. <laughs> this coach and player development manager, this individual will be setting out the, the development structures for underage from under 13 up? To a degree, uh, I think reviewing, I would say, our underage structures from under 13 to under 17 and then very much overseeing and rolling out the plan that we have put in place here because it's been overseen by, at the moment, there is so much going on. Like, I mean, it's, you know, even within this narrow, this is only one small element of, of extra GA, but like the people that will be overseeing it uh, at the moment said, like Ray Harris was our games development manager. Declan Brown has already started. Um, in his role, we've 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 signed an MOU with um, with SETU, this formerly IT Carlo, um, and is is overseeing it. But there's just a, there's such a body of work being done at the moment um, that you know the sooner this person starts, that they oversee this, they drive this, that there's an individual development program. So you're talking about an individual development program for say every 18 year old that's good enough, every 19 year old is good enough, every 20 year old. And every, as we mentioned earlier, the 21-year-olds, that they all have an individual program. They all have their markers that they have to meet. Um, now, obviously, some of that is linked in with an under-20 management or a senior management, but there's some coordination to that. Um, yeah. And that, that needs to start on top of then developing coaches. So it's a very broad job, uh, and it's also a job where you're linking in with clubs and explaining the benefits that exist for these players to be part of that particular setup because as so we as a dual county we've had a tradition of people pulling against each other not necessarily in a in a bad way but you've got a guy an 18 year old who is one of the best players on his school team one of the best players on his club team and also a county player and if god forbid if they if they play another code straight away you, you could have answering to seven or eight masters um, and the other thing is because we're again such a dual county there's been very few windows people there's been an awful lot of talk about say strength and condition and their players are uh, are not strong enough or whatever else it might be but you try and find a window uh, for an 18 19 year old to get into the gym for six weeks uh, and just do nothing else it's very hard when you look at our games program like a 19 year old in Wexford this, this year will be playing under 19 football probably up to about the first week in December I would say uh, and probably mixing that with other activities so that coordination is is absolutely necessary if we want to put the player at the centre of everything we're going to do and there will be SNC coaches like Declan Brown he'll be coordinating SNC coaches going into the schools to coach these guys yeah Declan Brown and we're also making an appointment within this plan on a lead S&C coach. Uh, we did have a good structure pre-COVID, I suppose, where we were going into clubs, or going into schools, I should say, and that's been re-established and we're working with, I would say, the majority of post-primary schools uh, where we will provide a service and these players, rather than 
dragging up the ferns, for example, twice a week, that they'll get their they'll get their athletic development in the um, in their school, um, and they'll you know they're all on programs, uh, they're all on programs at the moment, and you know we have an, an app, a team builder app, I think that they're all on uh, as a development as well. So there's a huge amount of coordination in that as well, and then the linkage between that those positions and your coach and player development manager um, is crucial. And I was looking at the, I think it was the bulletin saying, saying there would be a strength and conditioning coach provided to schools participating in senior colleges A and B competitions. Now, six schools. Now, the immediate thing I looked at when I saw that was, why is it only six schools? If their school is not a traditional good school at hurling or whatever, are, are these guys kind of left behind? Or is there something there for them? No, there's something there for them as well. But like, now... That could extend beyond six schools. Being honest about it, it probably does extend beyond six schools. But you just can't hit every school. I mean, we have, you know, uh, I'm not sure how many, when you, when you take into co-ed, um, probably 11, 12, I'd say, where some of these players are. Uh, you just don't have the capacity, um, particularly at the outset. Like, you have to set realistic goals, whether, whether it gets developed uh, or if a school develops into a B school. Uh, but, in effect, that's where your cohort of players are. Uh, and we're quite different in other counties as well in that, you know, our best players are spread from Carnew, which is you know, not in the county, down to Good Council. You've two, you have St. Peter's and Wexford CBS and Wexford, uh, and Wexford Town, and then NSCAR, the FCJ, you know, so your, your good players are spread across, you know, into Gordy Community School and so on. Um, so you have to cover off as many bases as you can. When an SNC coach goes into a school, and he coaches, gives a session for the lads. Does he then provide them with a bit of protein or nutrition after the session? Uh, probably not. It's, it's an interesting one. They would have a nutritional plan, but it's funny. We This this came up with a high performance committee and took a kind of template out of Munster Rugby. One of the things, and we do provide, obviously we provide a lot of nutrition after county sessions, but there is a school of thought that guys need to be taught to self self-provide. Uh, so that will be part of the plan in the school session, say, for example, that guys have to learn to do, um, I mean, even our seniors, they get nutrition packs, but, you know, and, we feed, and they're fed after training, but they still have to prepare their own food. So there is a learning for a young player in terms of providing, providing their own food. And there's a whole school of thought in around that, something we're actually looking at at the moment, um, even in relation to minor, minor under 17. There is a huge cost, and rightly so. Like if a guy comes from school and hasn't been fed, obviously they 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 are and need to be fed after training. But there has to be a learning for a guy in terms of learning what they should be putting in their own body as well, what they need to bring to school to have before or after a a, a session. Uh, and I'd say it's probably something that I wouldn't say any county has done it effectively, but it's something we have discussed and are looking at in terms of being self sufficient as a player and understanding what. You should eat before and after. Like I've seen in the past, I've been involved with development squads where, you know, they've gone to a, a blitz in wherever, awfully, get fed afterwards. And first thing the guys might ask you is, can the bus stop at McDonald's on the way home? So <laughs> there has to be a learning to it as well. In terms of learning, like, are we like, it's just more about this is what you should be eating? Or like, would, would, would they be fed? Would they be given something after a proper a proper county session, say an under sixteen training session? Would those lads be given something? 
fruit and protein milk. Yeah, fruit and protein milk that will be given. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and that's kind of standard across after training sessions for most of the teams. Development squads would be something like that, but above that would be more. Would be more. You know, effectively, we have caterers for depending on the depending on the day. But if it's a midweek session where guys are coming straight from school, uh, would be proper nutrition. Saturday might be different if if guys are coming up on a Saturday morning and going home again. Uh, lunch is probably one of the biggest expenses from senior down, I suppose, for every county is huge, uh, huge cost. But obviously, it's uh, it's something that is necessary to provide uh, for. Elite players, development players, kind of a different scenario to a degree. But yeah, protein milk, and we have a we have actually one of our we have developed different partnerships in around that. Like for example, with Stratroy, one of our our milk partners at the moment. So there is protein milk provided for uh, for all these guys. But that necessarily doesn't uh, expand to the schools. No, not really. I mean, listen, you're you could be. You could be going in. We could be going in to do, however many sessions in in schools on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, there is. And it's funny. I was talking to a senior hurler last week, uh, and one of the, one of the things that he raised was we have a huge amount of talent coming through. We're providing a massive amount for them in terms of that that has never been provided before. There has to be an element of of want as well and desire. Like this is all about at the top level. This is all about achievement. Uh, and I say, um, say in the Monster Academy, I know in the Monster Ruby Academy, for example, there are certain days where the guys bring bring their lunchbox with whatever element of protein they need. So we're looking at that as well. We actually haven't got a formalized policy developed on it yet, but we will soon. Would this be when you're talking about educating them? Would it be extended then to educate some of the parents? Because most most of the chaps, I would say, they're just eating what the parents give them. Yeah, and that has happened. Yeah, we have had workshops. Uh, we have had workshops with parents uh, of development squad players, particularly in and around nutrition. And we have, I mean, we've got, I mean, this year in the last 12 months, I'd say we've probably, in terms of the whole nutrition area, from senior down to our development players, which we spoke about earlier, like they all go get DEXA scans, for example, um, up to the curve to get a DEXA scan. Uh, our development players are doing that at the moment. So you're measuring body fat, you're measuring muscle mass. Uh, they're giving a food program on the back of that. That's that's for players. Some of those players are, say, our 18, 19-year-olds are, uh, are in that process at the moment. We also have a couple of nutrition interns who work with our squads, and they have given presentations to parents. Either on, I think, I think the last one was done on Zoom, actually. It might have been earlier this year during, say, February, March. But yeah, and nutritional plans. So... We have, I would say, in the last in the last twelve months, there has been a huge amount of progress made on that. But it's like one of these things that it's a never-ending road. You you can you can keep improving, you can keep improving in in, in every aspect. And you know you you see with the level that Limerick have brought it to in hurling, I suppose, um, that it's almost uh, there's an endless road for improvement and. In terms of providing the resources to support that, that's that's another aspect of it. And uh, when someone say we go, someone goes into a school, SNC coach goes into a school, goes into good council, are we making sure that none of the Kilkenny lads avail of the Wexford SNC coaching? <laughs> no, 
can't do that. And now, in fairness, uh, September will be the first because since, since since COVID, I suppose it hasn't been as said, it hasn't been formalized. No, I mean, listen, you're going into sport school. You're going into sport school, and uh, um, same way as if we have a extra pupil in a in a in a school in where in another county, we'd expect them to be supported. Uh, we we don't cherry pick. Okay, and we say we're looking after. Fella's not good enough for, not quite good enough. The finished kind of our minor, not quite good enough for an under twenty yet, but it's still been taken care of S and C, and been on a development plan. The same as a guy coming out of under twenty, not ready to go to a senior panel. But where where is the cutoff? Like I assume we don't expect to see like a twenty seven year old still on the, still on the plan. No, it's funny we had a. Uh... I've spoken to both Keith Rossiter and, and Dara about this. Um and like there have been regular meetings in terms of in terms of that process. I don't think it's a problem for us at the moment. If you keep producing good players, it uh, it, it may become an issue in terms of defining who's eligible for development uh, for development panel. Like you notice this year's senior panel had quite a few under twenties on. I think we had upwards of twelve, between eight and twelve various various times of the year. Um, ideally, next year a lot of those are the guys that are graduating, um, are graduating out of under twenty. Um, so there will be there will be a process on that, and obviously the the age grades thing is still there's still a lot up in the air on the age grades. So wherever that looks, there was a proposal to bring it back to under nineteen um, at inter county level. If that happened, we would, you know, we would have to look at. Uh, what way we would look at a development panel for your 2021 year olds but effectively there's always a process a senior manager is always going to be looking for players who are good enough to play on their panel but I would be saying like kind of after the 21 mark uh, your your development stage is uh, is coming to an end and you're if you're not performing with your club in the heat of championship uh, then that's that's where you're you further develop and if you come back at 27 and hurling well and I think there was a couple of examples in inter county in other counties this year of players who have done that. Um, if someone's performing for their club and are, are brought back in, that that that's fine also obviously. For these for these lads again who are kind of out of the system and still been taken care of, is there a limit on the number of lads who can do that? Not at the moment, not at the moment, but. Again, there will be going forward, I think. You know, I mean, the aim is to keep producing better players. And I think we're in that phase at the moment where we will be. Like we, If you look at, if it stays at under 20, I think five of the starting six forwards who started the under 20 Leinster final are underage again next year. They obviously, then they move up. Um, so there, 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 are so, there are only so many you can... Um, you, you can hold on to because it, it's it's a massive expense. I mean, not sure if people would actually understand the the weekly cost of of a senior hurling setup uh, or a senior inter county setup hurling or football. Um, so obviously, ad- adding additional players um, is is a significant cost. Uh, so it has to be has to be invested wisely. And we've I think we've done it quite well in the last number of years. We set a budget. We're, we're usually on budget um, and part of that is is how many development players you can you can do but that's that's part of the plan I mentioned earlier in terms of significant investment into hurling um, 
So that will evolve over the course of we're into year one at the moment. That'll occur in year three. The ideal scenario is you have fellas beating down the door to be part of the development uh, development panel. Uh, and we've we've spoken about that as well. I mean, these guys have been given markers. If they don't hit their markers and they don't invest their own time into it, well, then they won't be on the panel. Uh, it's not an open door for uh, to give a guy a tracksuit. Uh, effectively, the guys have set out the markers for them. There's an S&C program put in place for them. Uh, there's a nutrition plan put in place for them. Um, if they meet the markers, they become, you know, they become eligible for development panel or senior hurling panel. If they don't, uh, then uh, then they're they're left to work on their own on, until they're ready. Or ultimately, some some guys won't be ready. One of the challenges of looking after these lads again would be some. I think after minor, the way it, the way it seems to be, most lads are, are still in school after minor, but and they do the leaving cert when they're kind of playing under twenty. It seems right now. Yeah, and that's and that's tricky, but um, that's why we, I suppose, that's that's the key part of needing to have this plan. You have an event, you have an IDP or an individual development plan for each for each uh, for each player. You know where they are. You know what they're doing. You know the programs they're on. Um, so. Um, if they're in school as well it's it's almost easier if they're in school sometimes when they're in colleges it's more difficult to be honest that was what my question is what's the is there a, a plan in place for to look after the lads who are away in college in Dublin or Limerick or Walford yeah same thing I mean that's they're they're all part of the program uh, and we will have we I say we have a, a the disappointment for um, um, to oversee this We'll have a very, you know, we'll have a very clear picture of where guys are and what they're doing. Uh, the big challenge is the guys that are, uh, say, in Galway or in Limerick, Waterford, Carlow, or Dublin, or that's that that's quite easy to manage. I suppose it's something we've done has has always been done. So it's just improving on that. If I just go back to the um, coach and player development manager, director of hurler, um, who are the coaches that they will be developing? Are they the play, the coaches for all those underage teams, the development teams going up along? And if if you were a aspiring coach in Wexford, is there a chance for you to get involved in this? I think your first, if you're an aspiring coach in Wexford, um, there's probably a couple of different tiers. We have a good coach education program. Uh, so you're probably exposed to that in the first instance uh, through our current structure. Um, which will be good. This is probably working for the next level. So you're talking about, say, your under 20 manager. Uh, yeah, maybe your development squad managers as well, depending on uh, on you who you have involved. Certainly there will be an exposure to development squad man- uh, managers and coaches. Um, and then potentially you've got guys who are extra people who are, say, managing at senior club level. Um who who may be identified as well. So that that process will start, I would say, in September, where uh, there'll be a call out, I suppose, to people who are interested. So yeah, you have to be interested first because there there's an element of of, of committing to this, uh, and you have to, I suppose, have some element of a track record. So this this is probably you're probably talking about a few different tiers. Your say your top tier coaches, your your coaches who are managing that at the top level of senior club or development squad or say inter-county under 20 or former inter-county under 20 um, who 
want to better themselves. And, you know, I think everyone, if we want us to manage the top level, uh, wants to be on top of the latest research because intercounty, senior intercounty at this stage is just, it's going to a new level every year in terms of the various aspects to it. Now it's, it's gone beyond just coaching your analysis, yeah. your S and C, uh, really, you know, to come in and from outside that structure without being exposed to it previously will be very difficult, I think. Uh, and again, using, say, Billy Walsh, who's been involved with us a lot, he would say, you know, knowing what does, what does excellent look like? You know, what does, what does top class look like? Because if you don't know it beforehand, it's too late. You know, you, you can't learn on the job. So say we're going about creating the first under 13, under 13 team, right? Under 13 management setup. So we were talking to John Myler a few weeks ago and he told us, now obviously Cork is a far bigger county than Wexford, but he told us he was over the under 15s and he had nine guys with him. How do we appoint, say, an under 15 or under 13 manager and how does he go about creating his team? A lot of that will be done through our, a lot of that will be done through our, say, our current coaching game structure. Um, so people will be, for the most part, people will be headhunted. Um, through say Ray Harris and JJ, who JJ Doyle, who will be coordinating an awful lot of our, our development uh, structure, and we have full time people who are assistant all the way up, and we've really good people involved. You know, really really committed people. Like as you said, Cork is a bigger county bigger bigger structure and yeah we've we've done a good bit of research into what you know cork and limerick and all these other counties have done uh, and for the most part you'll find within development squad structures there's not a huge amount of difference like what one county would be doing you know will be doing better one year someone else would pass them out the following year so there's not a huge amount of difference in terms of okay Cork, uh, you'd be fairly familiar. They have people like Fraggy Murphy and so on involved with under fifteen. That's you know very hard to. It's very hard to 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 match that where you have guys who've won all Ireland's either as a player, or as a manager, or as a coach uh, in your development squad structure. But we've got people involved in, the, in our structure, and we're we're constantly looking for others. We probably don't have the same pool of coaches um, because you have to cover your club games and so on, but. Um, that will be the role of this part, this particular job as well, is to develop those people and, uh, as I say, expose them to to what this top level look like. So, how many hours a week? Say, I'm a I'm an aspiring young hurler, talented young hurler in school. How many hours a week would I expect my strength and conditioning coach to be coming into me to give me coaching? Within well, a school setup, you'll probably get a couple of hours in the school, and you're there again at the weekend. So you're, you know, you're doing your within, and again, this, the season is broken into blocks as well. You're talking September to Christmas. Uh, you're doing your four, uh, two sessions a week uh, in school, and you'll be in the center, more than likely in the center of excellence on a on a Saturday morning, doing uh, a chunk of work, be it speed work with hurling or gym with hurling. Uh, so it's. Uh, it's broken now into into different chunks of the year, and depending on the particular load of a of a player as well. Like, say, say a good under fifteen, they, you have to try and manage the load of a player as well. A good under fifteen could be, at the moment, could be playing under fifteen football in Ireland. Could be playing under seventeen 
would more than likely play under 17 football in hurling with their club on top of their development squad work. So that would all have to be managed as well. I see there's also a plan to a plan to coach coach teachers in the school. Five post primary school teachers per year, is it? Yeah, that started already. Actually, I think we've gone through two years. I think there's 10 post primary school teachers have gone through that. That's part of the agreement we have with IT Carlo. Uh, they have a strength and condition certificate course, so we we fund uh, post primary school teachers to attend that uh, so effectively, so that you're trying to create a sustainable model, and they can be from any school. So we touched on earlier where you mightn't have the capacity to to get to one particular school or an A or B school. That's open to to anyone on a particular year. And all the positions, all the positions are being taken up. Like there's no, there's no we have a couple of positions and no one goes. There was one year, I suppose, listen, we've probably come out of two years of COVID where um, where some of that was distance learning. But for the most part, there's been good interest. Certainly in the first couple of years, there was there was big interest. Not always post-primary school teachers. Now, if, if, if there's not four, five post-primary school teachers, there have been club people who've, uh, who've done that as well. But the, the positions are available there from, from IT Carlo as part of our agreement. Okay, so we do expect this to continue and maybe maybe more than five some here. Yeah, if the, if the demand was there, yeah, if the demand was there. So it's not, it always depends on demand. There's no pro- if, if you've got good people who want to be upskilled, there'll be never a problem about, uh, about, about finding, uh, finding positions for them. And do we have quality gym facilities in all the schools? Certainly improving, yeah. Yeah, certainly improving. Gorey Community Schools, St. Peter's, Wexford CBS, and a number of other schools have developed good gyms, yeah. Yeah, it has, uh, again... A good council have uh, have a good gymnast. Again, some of these places were closed over COVID and are just being reestablished. COVID would have played probably havoc with certainly with the structure that we had set up. Uh, and yeah, from a school principal point of view, I know that every available space was probably closed down and turned into isolation rooms and so on. So, but yeah, yeah, I mean, we 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 have contributed to the development of some of those facilities as well. A few people expressed to us that they reckoned we were. Wexford as a whole were probably a bit behind the strength and conditioning. Um, Declan Brown has obviously come in now. He's, he's only new, is he? Well, Declan has been part of our high performance committee for probably over a year. So, yeah, I would, whether we're behind, it's hard to judge. We're probably behind some and ahead of others, uh, probably in the middle of the pack. We're not, we haven't been as good as we could be. Uh, and we would have seen that, definitely seen that over the last 12, 12 months. But we're also, as I said earlier, we're also in a very different position in terms of a, our games program, like we would have established and like, you know, we've had people like Phil McParland who's worked with Team GB and so on. You probably know him up from your neck of the woods, like <laughs> looking at it from the outside and they're saying like, where do these guys get a window to actually just get into the gym and not play or train five, six, seven days a week? Uh, and we have to create that because a guy won't make, won't make the necessary gains in the gym that they have to, uh, if they're being pulled and dragged. So it's finding that structure, first of all, and then improving your system where you have good people um, uh, doing it. So, yeah, Declan is a key piece of that jigsaw. And again, we're making two more appointments. So that's probably an admission in itself that we need to do better. So just to clarify, the two more appointments are the, I won't say it, the, the co- I won't say it, the coaching no, there's two, games. There's, no, there's, there's two new s positions being uh, to be filled as well. 
So now we look at the structure. Declan is overseeing that as part of the agreement we have with SETU. Uh, we have a lead SNC coach, but there will be an appointment of another SNC uh, person as well. Um, and they'll be the people who'll be on the ground going into the schools. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, do we know when they will be appointed? First of September as well, or first September definitely for one. We just have to see. And you know, again, it'll depend on the the caliber of the applicants. Um, in terms of in terms of what our structure looks like, um, but we definitely have one appointment on the first September, if not beforehand. But certainly ready for the school year. Yeah. Okay, so that's the main appointment. You want to get these both of these all these appointments done, ready to start for the school year. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And ideally earlier, so they have time to assess the situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, you'd, you'd be thinking it will be. It will be for the first of us. It depends on roles that current people are in and so on. Um, and notice, but we we will be, we'll be probably filling the positions before the end of this month. I would imagine. What do you see is the strength of Wexford hurling at the moment? Oh, it's a very broad one in terms of. In terms of development or senior? Senior under 20 and minor. Yeah, I, I, well, the first thing is I definitely think we have a cohort, probably for the first time in a long number of years, we have a cohort of really talented players from 18 upwards. And from what we believe and looking at our development squads, that's continuing down the way. I think we have really talented, I'm going to believe 14, 15, particularly this year. Uh, uh, 17s for I mean talk about un- unlucky this year 17s even though probably would have underperformed against Leash with a man down were beaten with a, in the eight minute of injury time probably with a very controversial goal I would say um, so there's, and there's a, there's a lot of talented players on that and uppers like and we've seen we've seen it we've seen those integrated this year I suppose the biggest strength we have at the moment is we've 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 a cohort of really experienced and talented players. Uh, and and le- and leaders, you know, real leaders on our on our senior team, the likes of a, a Matthew and a Lee and Dio and so on, um, who are mad passionate about Wexford Hurling, you know, have massive leadership qualities and are willing to invest their time in integrating young talented players into the system. And we have a, a senior management and a management setup who are interested in that whole development piece. So they understand it's about here and now, uh, and delivering success now, but also that there's a there's you know there's a bigger picture, and that we have to develop for the future as well. So I would say the biggest the biggest strength is we have that structure. We're embedding a structure. We have a plan now, uh, and that the buy-in from that plan. You know, Dara has been a key part to it. Key roster has been a key part to it. Our development staff have been a key part to it. So everyone will work on the same vision now and drive forward on that basis. As a, um, I think within that we have, we have, uh, we have all the players are, are are bought into that as well. So there's lots of potential. Now, to a degree, it was a frustrating year. I say you know I've spoken about the minor twenties. I think is a big regret for us in terms of. Uh, uh, that you know, because ultimately, when you get to the twenties and seniors, it's about results. So, you know, we probably feel rightly or wrongly um, that we uh, we let we let one slip that maybe maybe a twenties and maybe even the seniors, even though it was there was lots of positives to to glean from the year. 
uh, there'll be lots of regrets as well, I'm sure. Yeah. Then obviously we go for the flip side. What what have you as a county board identified as the weaknesses in Wexford hurling, both underage and senior? I think definitely areas that we need to do, we need to work on. Uh, certainly, our we probably there's an element of needing to bed down our, our club structure at every um, at every element. You know, our clubs, your county will only get stronger if your clubs are stronger. That's why we brought in the GPO model to develop coaching, develop the standard of coaching. Again, we're slowly but surely seeing that improve, but I'd like to see that improve further. You'd like the standard of your club games has to be exceptionally high um, for it for your county to be to be really thriving. So I think there's work to be done there. Certainly at both underage, maybe even at adult level, we know we have a really competitive adult championship. You could, I don't know, you couldn't pick a winner, I don't think, this year, but we need the quality to be strong. And I think we'll have to review again. We did a good bit of reviewing and plotting and we've changed quite a bit over the last couple of years because of COVID. We have a split season in place. Whether it's the right structure or not remains to be seen. I do think we, you know, our, our dual nature leads challenges for both hurling and football that we, that we haven't fully addressed, I think. Well, don't mind uh, don't mind any of them football people telling you to go put football first. Always hurling first. <laughs> it is great to have the hurling first, but I would feel that the winners of the Hurl- the Wexford hurling championship, such as the Raps last year, are at a serious disadvantage when it comes to the the Leinster club championship. Yeah, I think I do think I've said this. We had our county board meeting the second of February. Obviously, we brought proposals as a management committee that. Uh, that weren't brought through. I say, like the effectively the clubs voted for the structure that we have at the moment, and you know it's proved to be quite good over the last few weeks. I think it'll take a we'll, we'll have to have a big review at the end of the year to see, um, to see whether it's the right structure for Wexford, uh, football and hurling. I'm not. Yeah, but that's one of the drawbacks the, that your champions, but that only affects one club or three clubs, depending on you know the different grades. Uh, so I'd be more concerned with the totality of all our clubs a couple of questions we have to ask ourselves is the middle of August too early for uh, all your adult hurling to be finished will be one question the seven week gap for football is the other question and then your question then as well I suppose is the impact it has for the winners Uh, but I think everything will have to be put in the mix come November and then we decide on a structure uh, and we'll have an options whether to either go hurling first, football first, or alternate. Uh, and maybe going back to alternating is, is something that needs to be explored as well. Yeah, yeah, it's probably it's fine for um, for players who play both because that's as long as they like playing it because they get to continue playing the whole time. But for the play, for someone who only plays hurling, say, and then they're finished by August. Or yeah, if they only play football and they're they're at nothing until for mid, seven weeks, mid yeah. August, yeah. And you know we we are a dual county, and as I said, that county board meeting that dual county is hurling and football. You know we've had some some people, and I see some stuff on social media about uh, how it clash. You know certain things clash with other codes. We can only look after uh, promoting hurling and football, and we have to find the the right balance for Wexford GA as a total not just for your county champions but for the promotion of hurling football 
and it's it's there's no point in saying it's simple because it's not because we are more due there's no really no other county that has a dual element like us and that effectively i would say somewhere between 75 and probably 85 percent of players play both at some level um so finding a balance to that is tricky and particularly within within the the county club split season as well that we've got a you know we've a narrow enough time frame to get your competitions played i do personally believe that the they've pushed the club season a little bit tight the all-ireland club finals could do being pushed back another little bit and give the clubs give the clubs uh give the club season within each county uh a bigger window but again I, i'm arguing that from a extra point of view if you go to a lot of counties they've only got one code or they might have two codes but that they can play them on the same weekend because they don't have the same level of dual players yeah again I don't going back constantly to this but we're recruiting for underage teams do we have at the minute do we have enough quality coaches to fill all these under 13 I assume do we have under 13 under 14 under 15 16 under, and 17 teams development squads under 13 is really introductory. Um, it's under 14, 15, 16, really. Uh, do we have enough in hurling? Yeah. In football, no. Well, we're a hurling podcast now, so we, <laughs> we're okay with that. Uh, obviously, my job is to oversee both. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, in hurling, we do have enough. You'd always like more. Um, but there's a lot of people putting a lot of effort into, into driving our development squads. And listen, just focusing on hurling, yeah we do and uh i think we're 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 quite happy with the uh, with the standard what we have and then i suppose after the end of the year it's like anything we'll review uh, in the july this year we review senior under 20 then in september we plan with development squads a bit later you review in september you hope that those guys will commit to a winter upskilling program and then those who do will be involved next year those who don't may not so these are guys who are putting, you know, putting their hand up to do it voluntarily, putting a huge amount of effort in. So we have to be very appreciative of their efforts there. What sort of numbers uh, are there in the development squads? Uh, I know we've three hundred fifteen teams. Two hundred sixteen has been scaled down, so forty. So big numbers. Uh, this is the first proper year after COVID, so there was a huge amount of players carried and given an opportunity um, at under fourteen level. Um, sometimes it depends on the quality um, and you're trying to retain we made a conscious decision a number of years ago that you try and retain so you tried and we would have met with the initial review with Brian Cuppert who has done a PhD on this and you're trying to he's designed the cork structure actually try to keep your base broad so that you're you're not cutting players early on and you're not, you're not trying to make decisions because talent ID is probably the hardest thing you know, from reading about it, it's the hardest thing to do in sport is to identify a 14-year-old who might be a potential senior. Yeah. You know, how do you how do you make that decision before they've some of them haven't developed into their own bodies at that stage? Like, you know. So you're trying to ensure that you retain as many as possible. Um while, while that, still adding more that are putting their hands up to be included as well. To an element, yeah. An element. And that's why realistically we zone in at under 18 on our next generation program. Um, so 
you know, under 17 is developing. We've made a conscious decision. We've limited the number of 16-year-olds that can be picked on an under 17 team now. Um, so, and that will be every year. So we're basically saying, unless you're really an under 16, unless you're holding back a 16-year-old by not playing him, we'd prefer a 17-year-old to be playing ahead of them and develop, yeah. not, not to cast aside an under 17. So that might cost you some under 17 inter-county titles and might cost you some matches, but we're trying to look at the bigger picture and development and hope that it pays off down the road is ultimately what we want is senior titles, not necessarily under 17. Who was obviously you were involved, but who, who was involved in making that decision in that we'd hold, try make it lads up to the edge. Uh, I suppose we developed, we, d- we decided at the high performance committee, really likes Billy. And as a group, we decided that, that that was the right thing to do. Is, is Billy around often? Billy Walsh? Or is he in the States? Uh, mostly in the States he's home uh, next to home in September he's been home he's home five, four or five times a year and uh, has been probably more so involved with the senior and working with Dara a little bit this year and working with the players when he was home home recently we had a I suppose he met with the players and we had we had a meeting high performance and stuff and just reviewing and we're hoping to be home for a kind of a planning planning period in, uh, in September so like he's very generous with his time terms of he's obviously trying to lead USA to Paris Olympics but he's got a big vested interest in extra GA as well to be fair to him do you think and because because he's so so busy lives in a different country in a different completely different time zone does does that hinder things or do you get enough information enough time from him I wouldn't zone in I mean listen it's it's there's various people input into the input into say decisions and policy um you're any for any time you're getting information like we say we had probably a one and a half hour zoom with joe schmidt um you're getting four or five pieces off that that you know make you look and kind of think gee these are maybe this is one thing you'd be changing same with jim gavin you know you get off a zoom meeting during lockdown and you're thinking oh my god there's so much work to be done you know but so, so the likes of Billy as well. When you'd have a say a Zoom meeting or whatever else, it might there might be one thing, and there was probably only one thing that came out of our last meeting. But it's an important thing that that has to be looked at. Can you tell us what it is? No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want the other counties finding out, Ben. Twenty twenty two on a whole, then um, minor under twenty senior. You happy enough? I, you kind of mentioned it before. There, there was a. Could have, things could have been better. There was a couple of close moments, but in in general, overall, um, you see, it's listen. It's not like we have a track record of of huge success over the last number of years. But 2019 probably whetted our appetite. Felt would would lead us to indicate that we we could and should be in the mix. Uh, so you have to judge it different, differently. As I say, I've already explained under 17. And yes, you know, you look at the final yesterday and you look at some of, you know, you read some of the feedback yesterday, critique and various elements of it. Uh, and you, then you think of our own particular team who had plenty of talent uh, and probably within Wexford, the feeling, you know, and that was very disrespectful to, to, to say Alicia. And I would have expressed some concerns about the, the Leinster structure in terms of the fact that you always have to go uh, 
we're labelled as a tier one county, so you have to be away. So you're nearly at a disadvantage going up to play a very talented team in Port Leash. Uh, and there was elements of that, I'd say that, I'd say the guys probably didn't play their best game, but they were, they were certainly very unlucky not to come out of that, uh, come out of that game. Um, and I think we've learned a few things out of that, though, from, from minor for next year as well, even in terms of what we do afterwards, in terms of fully developing those players that we'll, that we'll, um, we'll learn for next year. The under-20 is obviously a big disappointment, but an improvement on the previous year. Um, and I mean, with the under-20s, it just shows how close they were, that it was basically a lick of paint from going to extra time in the Leinster final, and then Kilkenny go and win the All-Ireland, even though the word on the street was Munster are 100 times ahead of Leinster. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you look at the year, it's the reason it's a frustration year, because as you said, we, we talk about unlucky, like, I suppose most of us were reared on hard luck stories in uh, in Wexford Ireland, uh, with the exception of '96, maybe '97. But you, like, there's only so long you can there's only so long you can live off those. Like, uh, yeah, we were unlucky, but it's like anything. And going forward, part of the reason of this plan is you got to go and win it, like, because yeah. we all get fed up of hard luck stories this, uh, soon enough. Now, is it better than not being competitive? Of course it is, um, but. Uh, it's a frustrating year from that point of view. I would say near miss, uh, near misses in uh, in every aspect. But at the same time, kind of shoots of. I think everyone, even talking, we had an event Friday night. A lot of people that were there would say, "Yeah, are we making progress? Yes, we are. Are we going the right direction? Yes, we are." Introduced the, the you know, I say the twenties had a a near miss. Um, if you could turn that into a into success next year, you'd be happy. If you had another near miss next year, you'd be doubly frustrated. Um, and from a senior element, again, you get frustrated with the near misses as well. And then no one will be more frustrated than the team and the management. Um, and I suppose there's some justifiable reasons. Obviously, we got probably as cruel a look as we could with injuries um, going down the straight against uh, against Clare, but. There's probably a feeling that we we left that one behind as well. Um, so overall, yeah, I, I, I think seems to be optimistic, reasonably positive, particularly in a transition. We have a new management team at 20, a new management team at senior. Uh, you'd probably say that uh, more progress was made this year than had been the previous year. You could argue that, I think. Uh, and if we keep that upward trajectory uh, that ultimately it will lead to success but at the same time the night of a defeat or particularly coming up in the 20s match or the morning after or maybe the week after it still feels kind of sore yeah apart from senior have we had any managerial appointments like is there an under 20 manager in place for next year or a minor manager in place no we're going to review all those that's uh, that's that'll all happen now in the next couple of weeks not really anticipating a huge amount of change, but we'll we'll review all that now in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it's something that I know it's a frustration to a lot of guests we've had on, like especially remember when we had Willie Cleary on and he talked about the 2019 Leinster final and then you know getting bet by Tipperary and he kind of put it in the same terms of you've just put the the loss to Clare this year and that it was close, but you know we might get fed up and getting close and it's time to go over and go, go out go out and do it and 
and get to the next level and and not it was a great year because we won Leinster final when it should be a great it, it, it should be up there every year but around the country I, f- I kind of just feel that Leinster hurling but Wexford hurling in particular are 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 disrespected to an extent uh, like myself and Ben have talked about it that like all of the people talking about Claire getting over Wexford was Claire getting over a banana skin in Wexford and would that kind of thing frustrate you is is that like we, we shouldn't be a banana skin <laughs> and do we have to prove on the field that we're not or what how do you feel about that i don't read more i don't read i don't read most of it to be honest or listen to most of it because we can it's more important how we judge ourselves i think but yeah ultimately you have to go and win it if you want if you want to gain respect you know, you look at Limerick, you know, they've gained respect through success and getting their structures right. Um, so if you yeah, want to gain that... Claire gained respect this year. And I know they bet uh, Wexford, but like... <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's about, uh, you know, how many how many from a particular county are uh, are in the media. Maybe. You know, and they, they sometimes drive the media agenda, I think. We probably don't have a huge amount of, say, Wexford hurling people who are are in the uh, are in the media at the moment. To be honest, I w- no, I wouldn't let us, uh, I wouldn't let it influence uh, anything. Uh, the one thing that I found this year, particularly with some of our results, is the way maybe media has gone. It's there's really a lack of balance. You know, uh, week after the West Me game, you know, everything was doom and gloom. Week after the Kenny game, we're you know, we could win in All Ireland, um, and there's no, there's no balance. You know, no, same during the, same during the league. That probably is something that's, uh, that's just probably the way social media is now, isn't it? You read some of the stuff that they used to be probably said over, said said at a said in a pub, and now someone decides they can put it on social media, and other people can like it and whatever else, and it gains legs. So, um, and that's that has an impact on players too. You know, and that's part of our next generation program as, as well, by the way, is how to handle this because that's that's coming down the line. That, yeah, young players big time. We need to get Ursula to fight for us more on the Sunday game, I suppose. I think Ursula has actually represented Wexford really well, actually, to be fair, and uh, would have given would have given that view. And uh even even yesterday or last night, I think I heard someone say that, you know. The impact of some of our injuries probably wasn't fully assessed in the in the aftermath of the Clare game. It was all about how, how poorly Clare played. I think also yeah. people are starting to realise that Leinster, Munster, Hurling, Leinster is probably more physical, more focused on matchups. Munster seems to be more just go hurl. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it again. Wexford beat Kilkenny, and it's because Kilkenny played bad. Clare's bad start against Wexford it wasn't Wexford doing well. It was. Was Claire doing bad, and yeah, as you said, there was nothing, no focus put on all the injuries that Wexford had in the last ten minutes by the on the Sunday game. They just focused. They just decided that the two goals were square balls, and the penalty, the penalty that should have been wasn't a penalty. Yeah, I, I don't know. I suppose I, I you try to Something ignore that. And, it, it annoys me. Too. <laughs> no, uh, listen, as I say, we drew a match against Westmead. I mean. If there had been live cameras at it, you'd be thinking some of the decisions and so on. Like, but you can't, you just can't get hung up on that. You just have to 
have to keep looking at the bigger picture. I think in terms of uh, in terms of what we're doing ourselves. Thank you very much, Michal, for joining us for the hour or so. Thanks, yeah, guys. Thanks very much, Michal. Damien Fitzhenry was the best at what he did to ever played with. Unquestionably, was the best there ever was. Mike, like he was just so good. A magician. The youngest to the 15, uh, nine brothers and five sisters. They just stuck you in the goal then? Yeah, well, uh, a so-called goal, uh, two tar barrels. So Damien Fitzhenry was the best goalkeeper I ever played, but you know I'd say, say that. Damien Fitzhenry is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. So I'd probably, like, I'd probably say Damien. Thanks very much to Michal for chatting with us. Would you be enthusiastic about the plan, Gary? I would, yeah. I mean, as long as everything he says happens, uh, it seems like it's a good plan and it's great to have a plan and the structure is in place. That is it. You can write all the words you want down. You can plan all you want, but you have to go and do it then. And hopefully things work out the way we want them to. The fact that there's quarterly reviews to make sure that metrics are being hit and things are on track I mean that's that's encouraging it is unfortunately Shane Tompkins couldn't make it as in Ascomore I heard they're they're very worried about lads getting ahead of themselves so the management have actually placed a media ban on all the players so any current players there now we we can't get hold of unfortunately Good thing I'm not around then. Yeah. People were podcast. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back soon with another podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, the Enniscorty Credit Union. Take care.